I just got word that the CDs that have been delayed and that were not expected to be here have arrived just this afternoon. So there's CDs in the back. If you still do, some of you are like, what are CDs? I know what QR codes are, but what's a CD? Uh, ask your grandpa. Uh, they're back there in the back. So please buy all of those. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to the back of the book, uh, Hebrews. It'll be toward the back. Um, we'll be reading from Hebrews chapter 7. If you don't have your Bibles, no sweat, it'll be up on the screen. We're in uh, week 12 of our series, Who is God? And uh, I know that seems like a real obvious question to be asking in church, but we're trying to look at sort of the elemental bedrock, subterranean core of the faith. So we looked at Father, God is Father for eight weeks, and now we've been looking at God as Son, Jesus Christ. We're in week four of that series, and so we'll read out of Hebrews chapter 7, verses 20 through 28. I'll read that, and I'll pray, and we'll jump in. So hear the word of the Lord from the author of Hebrews. It says, the old priesthood of Aaron, think Old Testament, the old priesthood of Aaron perpetuated itself automatically, biologically, father to son, without explicit confirmation by God, Uh, But then God intervened and called this new permanent priesthood. In Jesus Christ, God intervened and called this new permanent priesthood into being with an added promise. God gave his word and he won't take it back. You're the permanent priest, God says. This makes Jesus the guarantee of a far better way between us and God, one that really works. Jesus is this new covenant. And earlier there were a lot of priests, for they died and they had to be replaced. But Jesus' priesthood is permanent. He's there from now to eternity to save everyone who comes to God through him, always on the job to speak up for them. So now we have this high priest who perfectly fits our needs. He's completely holy. He's uncompromised by sin, with authority extending as high as God's presence in heaven itself. And unlike the other priests, you see this juxtaposition, old versus new, the old priesthood versus the new priesthood, the old covenant versus the new covenant. Unlike the other high priests, he doesn't have to offer sacrifices for his own sins every day before he can get around to us and our sins. He's done it once and for all, offered up himself as the sacrifice. The law appoints as high priests men who are never able to get the job done right, But this intervening command of God, which came later, appoints the Son, Jesus, who is absolutely, eternally perfect. This is the word of the Lord and all God's people said, thanks be to God. Let's pray tonight. Jesus, great high priest, come and speak tonight. This is your church. This is your place. This is holy ground because you're here. And I'm one of the old priests. I don't, I, I, I sin, I'm frail, I, I, I miss the target. You are the great high priest. So I pray, Lord, that you would lift my words up and make them yours. I pray that you would speak. I must decrease so that you might increase. And so we say, Jesus, have your way here tonight. Let your word race through this place and race through our hearts. And would you make us a holy people again, we pray in the name of the Father and the Son. And the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. Amen. There's long been a great fascination with people of the cloth, right? 
people of the cloth. We've got priests and popes and pastors and any other persons that concern themselves with matters of holiness in the human heart. The people of the cloth. I'll show you four pictures here. Picture number one is a group of West African priests who have been standing up to transnational organizations who have been stealing their diamond mines and exploiting their four, five, and six-year-old children to go down into those diamond mines to bring up really expensive diamonds that they can sell here in the US and all around the West. Four, five, and six-year-olds, they've taken the mines, they've taken the, the child labor, and these priests said, not on our watch in Jesus' name. And they're fighting the good fight and it's difficult and they stand to lose almost at every turn, but they're willing to die for this stuff because they've encountered Jesus Christ and they know that Jesus loves the little children. Let the little children come unto me and and your deep pockets in Jesus' name, we say no. (laughs) And these priests, uh, they inspire me. I look at that picture and I think, what would I do in that moment? And Lord, would you make me more like these guys? I'll, I'll show you a second picture. This is Rabbi Chaim Meir Yachael Shapira. And, and some of you thought I just spoke in tongues, but I didn't. <laughs> this is the good rabbi, a Hasidic Jew, lived through the concentration camps of Germany. He lives over in Poland and has just, I think, recently entered his rest. And look at the quick joy on his face. I mean, he must be a thousand years old. I mean, that's Methuselah's <laughs> cousin. But the bro has encountered the face of the living Lord and he's just vibrant with like, I look at that and I think I wanna be an old priest like that, you know? Like, Lord, make me more like that. I'll show you the third picture. This is Reverend Dr. Gardner Calvin Taylor, the greatest preacher in the last 100 years, if you ask me. He's, he's recently entered his rest, but he's known as the Dean of American Preaching, the Golden Tongue Prophet. Just go on YouTube sometime and search Gardner Taylor sermons and, and just be slain. This man has, has known Jesus and walked through the civil rights uh, movement in the deep south and, and just called a nation to repentance. And this is a man of God. And I listen to his stuff all the time. And at his latter years, he, I mean, the smile on his face. He's got his dentures in that were uh, just, he'd lost his teeth at this time of his life, but you put him behind a pulpit and you give the man a Bible and the man thunders with the word of God. And I, he's an icon for me. It's a great fascination with people of the cloth. Last picture. Albanian-born woman of slight frame, 80, 90 pounds, found herself in the slums of Calcutta, locked in a convent. They weren't allowed to go into the streets, so these, these were just holy women seeking the face of God and interceding and praying all day. They were not allowed to leave. Like We, we think that Mother Teresa was destined to be Mother Teresa, but she actually had to break the rules to leave the convent and to go outside and to pick up a guy who was open sword in the, in the ditch and bring him into the convent and they were all freaked out because we don't do this, we can't do this, we have to write Rome and get a, an exemption and she said, well write Rome but I'm bringing this man into the convent and she's feeding, like she spent 50 years raising people up out of the dust and raising people up and dignifying them into their last breath. There's a great fascination with these great icons and people who have lived 
a faithful life in front of us. Priests are not more important than other people, absolutely not. And priestly work is not more important than other kinds of work. You people out there teaching or, or, or your doctors or your nurses or you're, you're working in the financial industry or you're building homes, you're doing construction, all of that stuff is holy work too and there's not one that's better than the other. I'm, I'm leveling the playing field tonight, so I'm not holding them up as icons that are better than any of you, they aren't. But tonight we're talking about the great high priest, Jesus Christ, and every once in a while it's good to remember that there were some faithful priests that walked the earth. There can be real beauty to being around people of the cloth. In the book of Leviticus, many of you have opened it up and just read a couple chapters, you're like, I'm good, bro. (laughs) I'm going to the Gospels. (laughs) I don't know what this is, but how did it make the cut? What is this for? (laughs) But, But actually, the book of Leviticus is is stunningly beautiful, and it fits within the life of faith, and and I hope you'll give it a second chance. Maybe we'll teach the book of Leviticus one day, Uh, but the the book of Leviticus was uh, introducing us to the work of the Levitical priests and the people who called people to follow God. What was their job? What was the job of the priesthood? I'll say that the, the Levitical priesthood was given to direct the people's lives Godward, The priesthood that God raised up. Hey, priest, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to conduct worship. This is how I want you to make sacrifices. This is what I want you to do with the offerings. This is how I want you to take care of the poor. And this is how I want you to live faithfully as as great uh, people in the community. Like God raised up the priests to point the people of Israel Godward, to remind them, to to speak a word into the moment and say, thus saith the Lord, God has an opinion, follow his ways. They were taught to teach the scriptures. God gave them his word to teach to the people and they were taught to instruct the people in holiness and morality and civility and forgiveness. They were taught to teach the people in kindness and hospitality and generosity. These priests that God had raised up through the line of Aaron were supposed to give people an introduction to the good life. Moses writing, saying, I've set before you today life and death and blessing and cursing, therefore choose life. And this is what the priests held up and a great concern for the Levitical priesthood was avoiding all the things that make us unclean. All the things that make us unclean, that, that was their job. And so they, they talked about running from the things that defile us and all the things that contaminate us and running from idolatry, absolutely, but also running from the things that that were just unclean, like dead human bodies out in the streets. These are people living in the wilderness and they didn't have good health care. So they talked about staying away from decaying animal carcasses and human bodies and, and spilled blood and laws that kept you away from the wrong kinds of even bottom feeding fish, like they couldn't do shrimp. God bless them, you know? <laughs> they had to stay away from the pigs and you know, God bless them. And, If you were contaminated, you had to stay outside of the camp until your time of purification was complete. Like God gave his priests to point the people Godward, to teach the people what holiness looked like so that they could learn to do the beautiful back and forth mutuality, the dance between God and humankind so that they could, as best they could, stay faithful to God. And this is what the priests endeavored to do. Leviticus 15, 31, God is speaking to them. You, the priest, you're responsible for keeping the people of Israel separate from that which makes them ritually unclean, lest they die in their unclean condition. Like God wants to claim 
a people. And of course, when the priests and the people didn't follow God's ways, they would petition God for mercy and they would make sacrifice for the purification of sin. God raised up a group of people to stand in front of his people and really to stand in front of the world to say, thus saith the Lord. God has a way that leads to life and if you will follow him, you will end up in life. But there was a problem, there was at least a couple problems with the priesthood that we read about the old priesthood. First, the priests were humans themselves. That's the first problem. (laughs) They were humans themselves and thus they were limited, they were imperfect, and they were sometimes even downright sinful. So God raises up a priesthood and tell my people, thus saith the Lord, and keep them in front of my laws and, and teach them how to forgive and teach them how to worship and teach them how to rebuke all the idols in, in the society around them and to stay faithful to Yahweh. But these priests were humans and they were limited, they were imperfect, and sometimes they were even downright sinful. They just couldn't pray for and instruct the people. They had to spend time first repenting themselves. <laughs> and uh, there was a diminishment of their efforts. It, the old priesthood was never going to be enough. And I think about, I, I read these texts with sobriety because I've been called into this kind of work. I've been called into the work of being a pastor, the, the work of my own kind of priesthood within the kingdom of God. And I'll just tell you, I, I love this Work. I can't believe that I get to do this work. I go home most days tired and I go home most days really thankful. The conversations I get to have, the meals I get to share, the homes I get to go in, the hospital rooms that are holy ground conversations, the funerals that I've done, the weddings that I've done, the dedications that I've done, the baptisms that I, I can't believe that I get to do this work. It's just, it's too good. Thank you. I wasn't doing that for an, an applause. I, But I love this work, the memories that I've made, the conversations, the daily prayers that I I pray for you every day, and sometimes that prayer tips over into intercession. So daily prayer, like God bless them and take care of them. And then there are certain times where it switches and you're like on your knees travailing for the people of God, you know. Some of you will individually come to heart knowing your stories, and just Lisa and I will speak into that. Our staff team at our weekly staff meeting and in our weekly prayer meetings, we're just, Lord, take care of this congregation, and we can't change the whole world, but you've given us this little flock, and we love these people, and would you be good to them today, and would you give them favor today, and those who are jobless, would you open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing on them, and those who are conflicted in relationships, peace, Lord, to those relationships. Those that are sick, Lord, this is what we, we do, and we love this work, but I'm also very aware of my own limitations in doing this work. I'm also very aware of the power that I have to do damage to people in the name of Jesus. It's the scariest thing about my job. It, it keeps me on my knees. I wanna, be, I wanna be 89 and faithful without having wounded people along the way. I, I, wanna, I tremble before the word of God. I tremble before this task. Like you don't come up here casually. You come up here having been chastened by the spirit. I'm, all, I'm aware of my limitations. I, I can't, there's times where I just can't be there. The spirit is willing, but the calendar is weak. You know, you, can you come to my Bible study for third grade girls? 
I'm sorry, I can't. I've got my own third grade boy who's got soccer tonight. You know, like I, I wish I could. I just can't be at everything. And, and like serious moments when, when little babies are being born just at the last second and a family gets called to race to the hospital. Like there's a very real story of a family that sits over here every week. And, and I'm in Montana with Eugene Peterson and they call me and can you come to the hospital? I said, oh, I, dang it, I can't. But we prayed and Eugene prayed. I just like, I wish I could be there at everything, but I'm limited and, People have told me before that they're disappointed in me as their pastor, and I said, well, welcome to the club. I'm disappointed in myself often, too. <laughs> the limitations that I have, I just, I, I, wish I, I wish I could. I'm not the great high priest, and uh, I, I get tired, and I get distracted, and I get impatient, and I get hurt, and I say the wrong things at times, and I do the wrong things at times, and sometimes I show up with the wrong spirit, and I, sometimes I preach sloppy sermons and let the people say Amen. And, and it's just like you go home on those nights and you're just like, gosh, I wish I could be better than this. And I, I, I expect a lot of myself and I just, I'm limited. I, I, there's only so much I can do. So you look at the old priesthood of which I'm sort of a part accidentally and, 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 and you find out that you're limited and you're imperfect and sometimes even downright sinful and you pray, Lord, keep us from that. But you watch the news and, and you see people rise and fall. You see documentaries getting made about the embarrassment and the shame that's breaking out across the kingdom. And it's just, Lord, please keep us. We're limited and we're sinful at times. There can be a real beauty to being around the people of the cloth, but there can also be deep sadness and terrible trauma that, as I said, happens in the name of Jesus. Does anyone have any church hurts? I'm sorry for that. On behalf of the great high priest, the great high priest grieves when people representing him hurt you. And I've done that before, and I've, it's been done to me before. I've got plenty of church hurt. It's a miracle we're all still here, right? Yeah. But we just keep going. Why? Because there is a great high priest, Jesus, who will never disappoint us. So tonight I'm here to tell you about the first thing. The, 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 the lower priests, the, the old priesthood were limited, imperfect, and downright sinful at times. The second problem with the old priesthood is that they grew old and they died. Like, it, we got a good thing going every once in a while. We get a good thing going for two or three decades, and then the dude dies, you know? The, the gal walks away, and there's an interruption, and the momentum's lost, and you don't know who's gonna, you know, they draw straws, right? The smoke goes up through the stack. Who's gonna be the next pope, and is it gonna be good, and where are they from, and are they liberal, or are they conservative? And, and, like, we've had a good thing going, and then they die, right, you know? A change of administration, a way of doing things changes. There's a gap, there's a disruption, there's a disturbance, a loss of momentum, a, a lack of trust with new people that we don't know. It slows, death slows things down. Because like you've got a good thing and then what's gonna happen and then it just, they grew old and they died. A discontinuity, it's a moving target. It feels like sometimes there's one step forward and then two steps back in the kingdom. And so the writer of Hebrews introduces us to Jesus who he calls the great high priest, who is not tangled up in the old system, who is not a part of the old covenant, and, and who doesn't suffer the limitations that the old priesthood does. Jesus is this great high priest, and what does the 
what does Hebrews say about the great high priest? I wanna put four things in front of you, four simple things in front of you that if these will get in your psyche and if these will permeate your soul, something deep will change inside of you and hope will rise in your being. Uh, What does Hebrews say about the great high priest, Jesus Christ? First thing is he lives forever. (laughs) Jesus is not gonna die again. He's already done that and it just didn't work out for him. It, it, he tried. He gave it a good, honest college try. It, it, he couldn't stay dead. He, he just, he, they put him down, they rolled the stone, like it, they did their best. Jesus submitted, you know, into your hands I commit my spirit. We'll see where this thing goes. And here he is, you know, 48, 20, 72 hours later, he's running around the place again. He couldn't do it. He just couldn't do it. He lives forever. He couldn't stay dead. He was terrible at staying dead. He, he tried it. Uh, He's the one in whom dwells the power of an indestructible life, says the writer of Hebrews. Like, you can kill him, but you can't keep him down. He's the priest forever. He's the forever priest. That gives me such hope. The priest forever, because we get attached. We have these great memories with these certain people along the way, and then they leave us. Or they disappoint us. Or they shame us. We had a great 20-year run and then the guy got a little bit older and he started getting chippy and he started attacking people and he started getting hot-headed and he started hoarding all the money to himself and he got, he, he, he got a big reputation and then a big following and then, you, then he wasn't around anymore. Like We know the old story of the people that, that we want to be able to pin down and, and keep around forever and we want to keep them clean forever and we want them to be stable forever and it just is a moving target. But Jesus is the priest forever and he can't stay dead and never will I leave you and never will I forsake you, he says, and I've loved you with an everlasting love and you think I'm sort of new to the story here in the first century, but actually I'm the one who was and I'm the one who is right now and I'm the one who will be forever. I'm the alpha and the omega. I'm the beginning and the end and I tried death right in the middle of it and I truly entered into your story, but it just could not be enough for me because the power of an indestructible life is radiating out of his being always and forever. He is the priest forever. He lives. Jesus lives. And that matters. Second thing that the writer of Hebrews tells us about the great high priest is that he's, he's perfect. We, we really, we, we know that word, we use it all the time. Oh, it's perfect, it was perfect. The movie was perfect, the concert was perfect. But we actually, we, we don't know what that means. But could we just take a little bit of time to try to imagine our way into the life of the one who was? The uncreated one who has always been, the one who speaks and the earth dances. <laughs> he says, let there be and there was. And the, the psalmist says, the hills melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. He's perfect, he's, he's spotless, he's sinless, he's the priest that doesn't flaunt his position to gain celebrity. He's the Lord that doesn't lord his power or his position over the poor and the powerless. He's the priest that won't get fired for a moral failure. It breaks our heart. How many times have we seen it? Every day, but Lord, keep us faithful. Keep us faithful, but we're all just trying 
We're, we're just, we're limited. We're imperfect. But Lord, you are the great, perfect high priest. You're spotless. There is no darkness in you. There is no evil in you. There is no guile in you. There is no hatred in you. There is no againstness in you. You're just clean. You're radiant. The, the writer of Revelation said his eyes burn like fire and his voice is like the sound of many rushing water. Who is this Jesus? The great high priest who's perfect. The one who will never abuse children. The priest that won't get audited for money laundering. He's the priest that won't get drunk or uh, intoxicated on his own fame or glory. He's the priest that'll never have an expose or a documentary done about him. He's the one who, the, 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 because he is so strong, because he is so good, he's the one who absolutely must lay down his life. Because this is what love does. This is what power looks like. This is the one who can be trusted with our worship. All the old priesthood, we have tried to give our worship away and it just doesn't work. It, it actually toxifies them and it ends up wounding the one who tries to give worship to the old priesthood. But Jesus is the only one who's worthy of it because he went to a cross. He can handle it. He, he, he's, he's, he lives forever. He's not going to die. He can't stay dead. And the second thing is he is perfect and he's trustworthy and he's good and he's clean and his motives can be trusted and his words can be trusted. Jesus will not disappoint you. The writer of Hebrews juxtaposes the old priesthood with the great high priest, the man, Jesus Christ. The third thing that he says is that he forgives sin. The other priests would have to make sacrifice and they'd have to repent of their own sins and try to purify themselves first before they went to go do their work representing the people. There was just so, the, the middleman thing wasn't gonna work. It just wasn't gonna work. We had to have God show up to do what only God can do. And Jesus is the great high priest who lives forever and he's perfect and it's a good thing that he loves us because he walks out into the streets where people are throwing their lives away and he goes, hey, where are your accusers? Neither do I condemn you. Now let's go. <laughs> let's go, let's change. That doesn't work. Go, go leave your life of sin. The psalmist said, if you kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? The psalmist says that he is the God who takes our sins and buries them deep into the sea of forgetfulness, that he's the God who goes, what are you talking about? When we come and live before him and we repent and we humble ourselves and we ask for mercy, he's the God who goes, yeah, you've got it. I, I love you. I bless you. Let's rise up and walk. Let's go back. He's the God who races back to Galilee. The people who have abandoned him, the people who have denied him, the people who have betrayed him, the, the disciples go back to their lives and Jesus rises in Jerusalem and he goes back to Galilee. He goes, let's go, guys. <laughs> Let's, let's go back, let's go back. Uh, uh, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me, therefore I give it unto you now. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've given. Jesus, like hours before, these guys are saying, I don't know the man. And this is the great high priest who forgives sins, he dusts us off, he picks us up out of the ash heap, and he reconstitutes our lives and sends us back to go bear the image of God in the world. I would never have done that. You would never have done that. If I was offended by the world that had walked away from me with the good gift I had given, I just would have been a little diva about it. Jesus goes, it's okay, we can move on. I forgive you, I bless you, I love you, let's go. <laughs> he is the great high priest who lives forever and who is perfect and who forgives sins. And the fourth thing that I want you to see, and I want you to never forget this tonight, 
He's the great high priest that's constantly praying for us. This boggles my mind. The writer of Hebrews says, therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Jesus is praying for you right now. (laughs) Right now. He's not on a coffee break. He's not sleeping. He's not distracted. He's not checking scores. He's not worried about Duke and North Carolina tomorrow. He's not worried about a bracket. Jesus is not distracted. Jesus has, he's praying for us right now. Father, strengthen them and fill them with the spirit. And we, Lord, thank you that they're gonna make it. And they're gonna make, we bless you and we pray over you and we strengthen you. Rise up and walk and rise up and get. Jesus is carrying our concerns right now in the throne room of heaven and he always lives to intercede for us. When you are on the brink, Jesus is praying for you. When your kids are being idiots, Jesus is praying for you and he's praying for them too. When, when the stock market crashes and, and you're looking at your losses, Jesus is praying for you and he's, it's gonna be fine. And, and when you're high on the hog, Jesus is praying for you that you don't get conceited. <laughs> when you've gotten the diagnosis that is the devastation of your life, you know what, Jesus is praying for you. There's never a time where Jesus is not praying for you. When you go into the courtroom and the judge is about to strike the gavel on the worst case you could never have imagined you'd be in, Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is not interested in other people while having forgotten about you. Jesus is praying for you. And the writer of Hebrews wants us to know that he is the great high priest who has taken all of our concerns and taken all of our devastations and taken all of our anxieties and taken all of our hopes and our dreams and our expectations of the future and all of the questions about the future and all of the world's wars and rumors of wars. Jesus is praying for us right now and there is never a time where Jesus is not praying for us. So I'll say it this way, every moment of your life is held within the intercessory prayers of Jesus, and because of that, you're going to make it. You just are gonna make it. Jesus isn't good at staying dead, and he's not good at letting his people die and stay dead. Jesus is not good at leaving his people in a lurch. Jesus is not, he just doesn't have the capacity to do it. He, do, he doesn't have it within him to forget about you. He doesn't know what it's like to walk away from a broken relationship. Jesus is always the one who is praying for us. Every moment of your life is, is buried deep within the intercessory prayers of Jesus. And because of that, you are going to make it. And so tonight, as we get ready to receive communion, I want us to take a moment and to enter into those intercessory prayers. Really, honestly, what our job is, is to just try to be aware of it. Because it's happening. You don't have to flip a switch. You don't have to petition him to do it. You don't have to twist his arm to like you. You don't have to sign a a document to get on the list. You're just on the list. So right now, our job is to be aware of the intercession of, of the great high priest, Jesus Christ. And so would you close your eyes right now and think about the things that are troubling you? Think about the the questions that you have about the future. Think about the financial concerns that your CFO at the company you own, he's forecasted. 
Think about the aging parent that you're concerned about. Think about the child that's been sick. Bring that into the the reality that is happening right now. Jesus is praying for you. Would you just open your hands as a sign of saying, "I'm, I'm not in control. And I'm ready to receive every good and perfect gift that the great high priest has for me. So Jesus, tonight, I pray that my friends would feel your intercession. I pray on a soul level they would feel it. I pray on a psychological level they would feel the intercession of the great high priest. I pray on an emotional level they would feel carried up into the intercession of the great high priest. Pray physically in their bodies, the ones that are sick tonight, ones that are ailing tonight, ones that have just been told, hey, you're gonna have to have surgery and and this can't be, I pray tonight, Jesus, they would sense in their bodies the work of the intercessory prayer of the great high priest. So Jesus, I say, have your way here tonight for my friends. Have your way here tonight for this flock of people that you've gathered in your name. I pray that you'd pour out your spirit I pray that you would change the story for them. If you're with someone that you know and you trust and you're comfortable with this, put your hand on their shoulder right now. Even as you feel that touch, and those of you who don't have someone putting their hand on your shoulder, I pray that you would feel the hand of Jesus tonight, the one who is praying for you. And so, Lord, tonight we say your kingdom come and your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven for your people. And Jesus, I thank you that forgiveness is racing through this place tonight. Thank you that shame is being lifted tonight in this place. I thank you that fears are being rebuked in this place. I thank you that loneliness is being driven out tonight in this place. I pray that confusion and chaos in the mind is being cast out and that they would walk tonight out of this place with the great peace be still of Jesus, the great high priest. So Lord, take care of your people tonight. Only you can do it. We are limited, we are imperfect, and sometimes we are downright sinful, and we're all gonna die. (laughs) You're the one who has conquered the very worst of it. You've suffered the very worst of it, and you can bring us into your life tonight. So Jesus, we say, have your way here. Church, would you stand with me? Get your communion elements ready to receive. If you don't have communion elements, just raise your hand. Our team's gonna quickly come through the room and bring it to you. think this is the perfect thing to do. We've still got one back here. Thank you, Aaron. Anyone else? Back in the back. They're coming. This is the perfect thing for us to do tonight because the great high priest is here to feed us. <laughs> we're hungry, we're thirsty, We can't do this work on our own. He says you don't need to. All you need to do is you open your hands 
and you open your heart and you receive. So Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, takes the bread. Like the ancient priests of Israel would do. And he takes the bread and he breaks it. And just break that little wafer in your hand. God help us get better wafers one day. So disappointing every week. Like, I hope Jesus is better than that. And Jesus, think about the levity at the table. That somehow he's able to feed them before he dies. He said, this is my body. It's broken for you. He's the great and the perfect high priest who forgives our sins and who loves us and who's praying for us. This is my body which is broken for you and as often as you do this, remember that I'm with you, that I'm for you, that I'll strengthen you. So Jesus, we receive what only you can give us tonight as the great high priest. Feed us your people tonight and satisfy our souls. In Jesus' name, you may receive the bread. On that same night, took the cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant. It's the new covenant. It's not the old covenant because it doesn't work. We tried. It was a great stopgap measure. It was helpful for the moment in time, but, but that was the old covenant. And Jesus says, this cup is the new covenant given in my blood. I am the great high priest and I'm going to die for you. And it's given for the remission of your sins. Church tonight, Jesus is ready to make you clean. He's ready to make you whole. He's ready to wash away your old imagination about the very worst thing that you did. He's ready to rebuke the condemnation that the enemy heaps on you. Tonight, you're going to leave clean and you're going to leave uncondemned. You're gonna leave with joy tonight because Jesus is for you. This cup is the new covenant given in my blood, given for the remission of your sins, Jesus says. And as often as you do this, Remember, so church, tonight, Jesus, the great high priest, is for you, and he forgives you. Drink deeply of the love of God. Let's enter into a time of worship tonight. Let's, let's just tear the roof off this place with worship and adoration of the great high priest, Jesus Christ.
you open your hands one more time tonight as we go to receive the blessing the high priest has for you tonight the great high priest I say may the Lord our God bless you and keep you may he make his face to shine upon you be gracious to you may the Lord lift his bright smiling countenance upon you and all of your people and may he grant you peace tonight In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Let's thank God for what he's done here tonight. Sweet, sweet, sweet night.